welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Richard and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Well, welcome to episode 64. This is Rich, and I am solo again this week. So Jeremy's still off in vacation land, which is Australia for him. And hopefully he'll be back later on this week and be on next week's podcast. But for today, I'm going to run solo and hold the fort down. We have a great guest. We have Rob Howard from the Office Extensibility team. Rob's one of my favorite speakers in all of Microsoft. So it's really great to have him on and talk about some exciting new things. So over the weekend, I was in San Francisco at the TechCrunch Disrupt Hackathon, which was really great. Microsoft had a big, big presence. Actually, more specifically, Office 365 had a really big presence at Disrupt this time around. And so we had two separate challenges that we offered with prizes totaling $10,000 cash. So, you know, we were making it rain at Disrupt is what I like to say. And so there were some really great, cool solutions that were built. I'll highlight the two winners of the two challenges. So in the Office 365 hack, we had a team that built a, a little web application called Daylist. And it was basically a, a daily task management web application, but it made really heavy use of the unified APIs for files, calendar, and contacts. And it was really neat. So it was, you know, it allowed me to do things like select a file to attach to a task and it would immediately go in and reference that and put it in OneDrive for business. But also, you know, did things like work with my calendar on the tasks and it was a really neat solution. And then we had another hack challenge that was specific to Outlook. So building things with the new uh, unified consumer commercial Outlook APIs and authentication. And so the winner of that hack was a team that built a site called Metro Mail. And this was really cool. In fact, my judging comments when I was judging these, I said, want, I want that. And what they built was it was a basically a website that would crawl all the attachments you have, and then it aggregated them into categories slash folders. So you might see things like a category of pictures or Word documents or presentations or PDFs. And it was a really cool way of being able to uh, go and slice and dice things that way. And, and I know you can, you can do some of that in Outlook just using search. So finding maybe a, you know, all your attachments and then trying to filter it again by extension. But they had a really nice user interface of it that allowed you to kind of um, look through it. I do this all the time. I mean, this has been a big thing for me for years because I, I have almost an unlimited sized mailbox. I mean, a 50 gig mailbox. And I, I make such big use of searches. I don't really ever organize things in my inbox. It kind of just stays in there. And so this is, I've, I've found myself many times trying to go through and hunt an attachment that I got like a year ago that was good. And so this was really neat, you know, being able to have a different kind of sliced view of things. So congratulations to those teams and others. You know, we, we did have prizes for first, second, and third across both those challenges. And again, a total of $10,000. So it was a, a really cool uh, event and uh, really a pleasure to be a part of it and exciting to see the open source community embracing both our add-ins and our APIs. So the other kind of big news for the week is that we announced the worldwide release of Office 2016. So this is a pretty big milestone for us, and it's something that is going to be 
significant value for our Office 365 subscribers. They'll be able to get that almost immediately. And for, for other customers, you know, we'll have options to be able to purchase those. But, uh, you know, Office 2016 has a number of, of really cool new features. And so, you know, we'll probably talk about those in various ways around extensibility. In fact, today, uh, the topic is going to be around some of the new extensibility in Office 2016. But, uh, you know, it's a really significant milestone. And uh, there's a, a post out on Office Blogs by Kurt Kay uh, about that big announcement and what it means to the the future of office so definitely check that out and you know if you haven't already definitely give office 2016 uh, a try it's it's uh, i think there's a a number of, of great improvements one of the biggest things i like is you know things like the groups integration into outlook and you know some of the other great features the other thing i wanted to remind our listeners about is the microsoft cloud roadshows so we did announce these a few weeks back and if, in case you're unaware of these, it's basically a mini Ignite conference. So like the Ignite conference we did in, in Chicago over the summer that was, you know, a combination of things like the SharePoint conference, Exchange conference, even things like TechEd were all consolidated in this one big event. Well, we're doing a smaller version of this in cities around the globe. And so, you know, we're going to be kicking these off at the beginning of November in Dallas. So November uh, 2nd and 3rd in Dallas. But then we're just going to go all over the place. We're going to go to New York, Toronto, Singapore, Los Angeles, Mexico City, Dubai, Bangalore, London, Copenhagen, and Hong Kong. And so the key here is this is free. This is free training. If you want some great training around Office 365 development, maybe a little bit of Azure, a little bit of uh, Windows 10, this is a free event. It's two days. And because it's free, it's going to fill up quick. And so the space is limited. And so you need to go and register for these today. Even for some of the ones that go into the next calendar year, you really want to secure your spot today for these. So definitely check out the link in the show notes and you know look for the city that's near you. I mean, in, in most cases, we should be in a city near you. So check it out and, and definitely register. And, and both Jeremy and I will be at various locations of these. So I don't think we're going to go to all of them, but you know, we'll definitely have some really good speakers. We have, I think, 12 Office 365 developer sessions that's, that are going to be at this. So you can almost do nonstop Office 365 development. And in most cases, you'll have two options for each uh, session block. And so great, great conference. I've been a part of these. We've called them different things every year. They used to be called Ignite. Then they were the Office 365 uh, Roadshow, or not Roadshow, Summits. Uh, and so these these are really quality quality trainings that we offer. It's free and you really, really should take advantage of it. I can't stress that enough. So in terms of some of the community contributions this week, there were some good things. We didn't have the, the big list like we've had in the last few weeks, but we definitely had some really significant things that were out there. So Andrew Connell did a few big posts. So, you know, Andrew's been doing a lot of work. We had him on the show just a few weeks ago talking about the Yeoman Generator. So he's been doing a lot of work on the office side, doing office add-ins. You know, the Yeoman Generator is all about generating office add-ins. And he's been doing a lot of work around the office UI fabric, which is something that we highly encourage using in those add-ins. And so what, what Andrew put together, Andrew had this great idea of building a set of Angular directives for the UI fabric. And we'll, we'll actually talk about that because that was one of his posts. So if you, if you look at popular design languages, so things like Bootstrap or Google's Material Design, 
A lot of times they they wire up some of the interactiveness of those controls. So you get all these great controls in those, but sometimes they don't work all that great with dynamic content. So as things come in later, so Angular might bind in some controls at, at a later date. And so if you had wired up a quick event maybe on everything, but you added some things dynamically, those wouldn't always work together. And so what we found is that communities would go out and create a set of uh, Angular directives that kind of mirrored those. So for Bootstrap, there's something called the Angular UI Bootstrap. For Google's Material Design, there's something called Angular Material. And so th those kind of handled it. And they also made it easier to use because it, it would wrap a block of HTML into a single uh, element directive that you could go put in your markup. Um, and so this was something that it's been popular in other areas. And, you know, AC wanted to make sure that, you know, we had this for the Office UI Fabric. And so he started a Office UI Fabric Angular directives. It's out on GitHub. You can go and contribute to this. You know, he's already kind of put a wish list of things. And so definitely check this out. And if you're a, if you're an Angular person, this is should be right up your alley because it's going to be able to you're going to be able to easily leverage those um, the Office UI fabric in your Angular applications. And then the other thing, he wrote a blog post, and this was kind of interesting. He said, you know, it, it really doesn't make sense for me to just go out and run and create these Angular directives because you first need something to baseline them against. And so he also created a small website called the officeuifabric.com site. And this is something that you can go out and actually kind of test drive the different components that are in the Office UI fabric. So you can kind of see how they are meant to perform. And so it's a great way of seeing the sample. So the GitHub repo that, that the Office UI fabric is in, it has a lot of good documentation, but it doesn't really show the actual controls working. And so this that's kind of the idea behind officeuifabric.com. So check out officeuifabric.com. Check out Andrew's write-up about that site. And then if you are doing anything around Angular, definitely check out the Angular directives that AC has put together for the Office UI Fabric. So awesome stuff, AC. Keep it up and uh, we'll definitely get it put to good use. Um, in other community contributions, Chris O'Brien, who's really started to set himself apart as kind of the ALM god in the Office 365 development space. So he's, he's written a lot of great posts around how you do application lifecycle management. How do you manage dev test prod? How do you, you know, do all the different methodology around managing a larger scale development effort around Office 365 apps and SharePoint add-ins? So uh, Chris has a great post. It's one of uh, a set in his series, like I mentioned. This one is about using Azure deployment slots to implement dev test prod for both Office 365 apps and SharePoint add-ins. So if you're an organization that is you know, larger in size, or even if you aren't large, but you want a really good methodology around how to deal with ALM with, with Office Dev, Definitely check this out. It's, it's, you know, he's real, like I said, he's kind of the definitive source right now around this. And so uh, it's, a, it's a great read. Another great read is from another regular of ours, Waldak Mazakars. He basically wrote a, a post about 
some things that aren't super obvious about working with the new Office 365 Groups API. And this was actually one that I learned quite a bit from. I, you know, I've been doing a lot with our unified API and even a lot with the Groups API. And he found some kind of hidden gems in in those APIs. So, you know, he goes through some of the basics of you know, groups and where the group APIs live and how you can do different deep links to things within groups. So he goes through a number of these different areas that help you understand how you traverse groups. Uh, and so he goes into a lot of detail around that, but he also goes into detail about other things that where it gets kind of minute that I didn't even know you could do. So he found things like how I can go find the group's picture. So, you know, if you go into Outlook Web Access along the side where it shows your groups, there's a little uh, picture icon for each one of your groups. And that's something that I had no clue, but we actually exposed that. You can actually go get it through the APIs. And so definitely check out Waldak's post. He's done some really great things. I mean, he's one of those guys that's on fire as well. So AC and, and Waldak, uh, you know, you got to stand out of the way for those guys. They're just doing such amazing things right now. And then finally, uh, I actually created a post this last week on building file handler add-ins for Office 365. So if you are familiar with you know, this topic, we've had Doreen Brown both on the podcast and on the Office Dev Show recently talking about these file handler add-ins. The idea behind it is you basically can customize the experience for what happens with files of a specific type inside of SharePoint Online. Uh, OneDrive for Business, and even Outlook Web Access. So you could have some proprietary extension. You know, I'll give you an example. I think most people understand what a CAD file is. I could basically write a custom handler for CAD files. So that would give me the ability to put a custom icon for a CAD file. I could put a custom previewer for the CAD file. And I could even create a custom uh, open edit form for that. And so I've been working with a number of partners around these file handler add-ins and it's it is it's powered by office 365 and azure ad and i wanted to build a really good reference sample that showed how to work with this in an edit mode so i have a few partners that are really interested in actually editing proprietary files so what i did is i created a really simple file handler add-in for images for a png image and so what it allows you to do is if you're in uh, Office 365, if you're in like SharePoint Online or OneDrive for Business, you have a PNG file there. I deliver a new icon for it, a custom preview. But the most kind of cool thing is if I click on that PNG file, it actually brings me into my application, which is basically like uh, Windows Paint. So basically like Paint. I can, I can actually annotate on top of that PNG image. I can draw things like different annotations. I can do all kinds of drawing on those pictures. So it's almost like a whiteboarding scenario. And it's pretty neat. I think it's a cool way of showing this off. And then it saves it directly back into the, the same file that you started with. And so it, it illustrates the different challenges around building these. So, you know, going and registering these in Azure Active Directory, how you deal with authentication on these. This is, they are implemented similar to a standalone web application, but some information is, is posted to that standalone application. So it is very much like a, more like a provider hosted app uh, in SharePoint. And so definitely check this out. I think these are incredibly powerful. They do some cool things. And so my blog kind of shows how to build it. And then I also have a link to all the source code. So you can just go fork it out on GitHub and you can deploy it on your own. 
You know, the last thing I'll point out is, is this week we, we do have another great office dev show that launched Wednesday of this week. And uh, this one is actually, again, around the office UI fabric. So we've had Umberto on the show talking about uh, the office UI fabric. And this week, Sonia um, has him back on the office dev show so, uh, to kind of interview him a little bit more and actually be able to see some of the things that the office UI fabric does. So Definitely check that out out on Channel 9, The Office Dev Show. It's episode 12, and it's a, it's a really great show between Sonia and Umberto. All right. Well, that's all the community updates for the week. We have a fantastic show ahead. So this week, our guest is Rob Howard. I mentioned that Rob is by far one of my favorite speakers at Microsoft. He's, he's just phenomenal. I feel like everything he touches is gold. He did a lot of work on the unified API. And most recently, he's been working on some new capabilities in Office JS for Office 2016. And specifically, uh, he's done a lot of cool things around uh, building Excel add-ins and Word add-ins. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today is some of the updates to Office JS that we can do completely new scenarios in add-ins for Office 2016. So definitely check out the show with Rob. I think it's a it's a really great one. Uh, we're actually, this, this is the first time we're actually releasing a podcast on the same day as the announcement. So these announcements are all out on Office Blogs today about the new Office JS extensibility. And so definitely check it out. And then the other thing is at the end of the show, we have another podcast punk. So we had our first podcast punk last week with Mark Rackley. And this week, our victim of the podcast punk is none other than Andrew Connell himself. So definitely check, uh, hang around at the end for that podcast punk. It's a really funny one. But for now, enjoy the show with Rob. All right. Well, I have on the phone Rob Howard from the Office Extensibility team. Rob, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Good morning, Rich. Awesome. Yeah, you've so you've been on the the show a couple times. Jeremy had you early on in the Office 365 Developer Podcast, and then you joined us for kind of our live build podcast that we did at the Build Conference. So, um, why don't for the the listeners maybe that didn't catch those or don't know you, why don't you give us a, a little bit of introduction about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Rob Howard. I'm a program manager on the Office Extensibility team. Uh, I've worked in a variety of kind of developer-oriented roles across products in Office. I've worked in SharePoint for a long time. I even worked on FrontPage uh, when I first started at Microsoft many years ago and worked on SharePoint Designer and partially trusted code and the Fab 40 templates in the SharePoint world. I have been working on the Office 365 Unified REST APIs uh, more recently. Uh, so I've so been doing a bunch of work there and now been working on uh, the Office add-in framework, and in particular focused on Excel and, and working with the Word folks on a bunch of new APIs there as well. It feels to me like everything you touch these days is gold with, you know, the, the unified API. And also, if you've been to a Microsoft conference in the, the last, like, three or four years and, and learned about kind of what we're doing around OAuth, my guess is is that Rob was probably the guy that was was helping deliver that. So awesome to have you on the show again. So, you know, you mentioned the Office APIs, which is a little bit of a, a departure from some of the things you've been working on in the past. Tell me about what's going on there. Yeah, you know, we've got a, a kind of renewed effort around expanding the programmability surface in the Office client applications. And in particular, in Office 2016, we've got a big new chunk of APIs for Word and Excel 2016. 
and they're they're a little bit different from the Office JS APIs. Those, you know, if you're familiar with them, those APIs are pretty uh, standard across the Office suite. So you'll see the same kind of get and set selected data kind of APIs for Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. And that's great for applications where you're building something that's more kind of content oriented, uh, like you know you're selecting some text and you're uh, then showing some enrichment around that text in a task pane or you're just binding to a matrix of data in a, in a way that's agnostic to what application you're in. So there's a, a variety of applications for which that's a really great model. But we also wanted to enable people to build deeper applications that took more advantage of, say, the functionality that makes Excel Excel and the functionality that makes Word Word. So these new APIs you'll see are still JavaScript APIs. They're still uh, referenced through the same libraries, but they're much more focused on the kind of building blocks that are specific to those applications. So in Excel, you'll see objects like worksheet and range and chart and table. In Word, you'll see objects like paragraphs and content controls. So you'll see things that are much more familiar uh, to those particular applications and will let you build deeper integration with them. You know, everything in the like first version of the modern Office add-ins was... You worked with things like office.context.document. We'll actually see if I'm if I'm writing some JavaScript to build a, a modern add-in now, um, I'll be able to take advantage of those. So that's really uh, really great. How does this differ from maybe? So let's maybe take the case of where I could do maybe some more advanced authoring with like OpenXML. Um, how does this differ from like doing a set selected data async with? a big block of OpenXML. So, you know, there will still be cases where you can interact with OpenXML APIs. So, for example, you know, if you if you actually really have a chunk of OpenXML that you want to get or set out of a paragraph within Word, we have APIs in this more Word-specific framework for doing that. Uh, but we've also got many more typed objects. So you don't have to kind of understand the, the OpenXML representation of something and have this big, chunky set OpenXML API. Uh, you can actually set a paragraph and interact with formatting, uh, interact with things at kind of the, the typed level of the object in Word, and hopefully see a bunch of familiar objects. Uh, if you're familiar with things like uh, VBA or VSTO, th those same sort of objects will show up in this Office JavaScript API. And then is this going to be... Is this a part of Office JS or these separate uh, libraries that get included so that you can kind of pick ingredients for putting these together? Yeah, it's it's actually a part of Office JS in that if you reference the Office JS CDN and you're running in an application, a host that supports these new APIs like Word 2016 or Excel 2016, you'll automatically get them. You don't have to reference any extra new JavaScript file. But they are in a separate namespace. So we've got the kind of more generic APIs for interacting with an Office document in the Office namespace. And the ones that are Excel-specific and Word-specific, you'll see in like an Excel namespace and a Word namespace. So um, you guys are starting to get a lot more specific on things like Word and, and Excel. You know, I, I read somewhere that, I don't remember where I heard this statistic, but something that like VBA has like 300,000 unique objects or something like that, like unique types of classes. And that's going to be really challenging to migrate all of that into something like a JSON model. So how have you guys gone about picking and choosing the strategic things to pull out and, and make more strongly typed? It's definitely a big chunk of APIs in VBA. You know, I think depending on where you count it, whether you're talking about Win32 or in Mac and which version you're talking about and whether you're talking about Excel or Word or things like that, you know, there, there are like 
seven to 10,000 different APIs that we're talking about. And so you know, straight migrating every single one of those is a huge task and is not something that we need to do right away. I mean, a lot of those APIs don't make sense in this cross-platform framework because they're not things that will work anywhere except Win32. Uh, so they won't be our first priority in terms of migrating those. So we really wanted to focus first on the APIs that we thought were really critical for the scenarios that are unique to those applications and the, the power of those applications. So in Excel, for example, you'll see all the basic building blocks around ranges and tables and worksheets, which are kind of the core objects, and you'll see a pretty complete implementation. There's still more that we can do, of course, but you'll see a pretty complete implementation of those. And that code base uh, was kind of our first priority for getting those scenarios unlocked. And we've worked with a bunch of customers and partners and the Excel MVPs and gotten a bunch of advice on what are the most critical ones to go build. And we've got kind of this long queue of the APIs. And eventually we really want to get to kind of scenario level completeness for the types of things that you could do in VBA. Uh, it'll take us a while to get there, but I think you'll see a, a pretty good step along that continuum in this first release. And we'll continue investing. You'll see new APIs popping up in this app-specific version of the JavaScript. I think you'll even see them on a quarterly basis in a pretty quick pace there. We've done some engineering things to make us more efficient in the way that we invest. When we go and build API support now, you'll actually see the APIs come across platforms much more quickly than in previous Office JS iterations, because we used to kind of build an implementation of an API that was specific to the platform. So we'd write, you know, set selected data async, we'd write that for Win32, and then we'd write that for the web, and then we'd write that for iOS, and those would be separate implementations. We've moved to a model where we can now leverage more and more shared code. We have a, a kind of a shared commanding infrastructure in the APIs that's shared across all of the places that Excel runs. So that lets us go and build the API in one place and only do a kind of minimal amount of tailoring for that's specific to the platform and use that shared command infrastructure to get that implementation everywhere very quickly. So we think some of those investments will, will get us moving a lot faster than we were on, on the previous Office JS infrastructure and with a lot more kind of tailoring to those specific applications. Great. And you know, I think one one critical thing and you you mentioned it earlier is that you know this isn't this isn't replacing the old. It's just adding more to it. In fact there's lots of scenarios, you know, I've already heard with partners that have had early access to this where they're combining things. So I had one the other day that said, you know, I want to know when, when a sheet changes when in, in Excel. And, and so there's things like selection changed events that you can combine with things like get active sheet to create, you know, some really powerful scenarios. Yeah, definitely. We, we, we have a couple of scenarios where you may still want to use the, the current Office JS APIs. Events in particular around data changing and selection changing are probably the most common ones where you're going to want to use them. But you'll find the, the core objects that those events are hung off of, the binding object, you'll find those in both the old and the new. So you can create and manage the same bindings in both places. Another thing that's, I think, kind of unique about this as I've started to play around is that it it kind of has the feel of the SharePoint Seesaw model in that it's it's kind of batch process. I kind of perform a bunch of steps and then I go and execute them all at once. Talk a little bit about that and, and kind of how that's set up. Yeah, absolutely. The existing Office JS APIs, if you're familiar with them, they have a whole bunch of different methods that are all kind of flat methods for interacting with the content in a document. 
uh, and they're all asynchronous APIs. Uh, so for example, if you want to do something like uh, create a binding and then grab the data from that binding and then change the data from that binding, uh, those are kind of three different asynchronous calls that you would chain in kind of usually in anonymous functions that are are callbacks to each one of the asynchronous APIs. So you get this kind of chained, you know, continually moving to the right index kind of code <laughs> in order to interact with that. And it's not just that you're, you know, doing a bunch of anonymous functions and kind of chaining to the right in order to do that. It's also that, you know, each one of those async calls represents a cross-process call from the, the IE window or, or whatever other browser your add-in's running in to actual Excel proper or Word proper. And those cross-process calls are, are relatively cheap when they're on the same machine, but they're still you know, an expense that you don't want to pay more often than you have to. But if you're looking at something like Excel Online or Word Online, those are actually network calls in most cases. And so those are even more expensive. You know, th those could be 100 or 200 milliseconds just in terms of the latency back and forth. So you don't want to pay those more than you have to. And when you start looking at an object model like Excel that is so deeply nested where you know, you've got workbooks that contain worksheets that have charts on them that have axes that have points you know if you actually had you know five different async apis that you had to chain off of one another to get down to the points collection that would be a pretty gnarly way to interact with uh, this this object model so we could have gone and made them all really flat and really flattened out the api and sort of gotten rid of the object orientedness of those those objects but we found that to be something that people really loved about things like VBA and VSTO. So we wanted to preserve that, and the way we ended up doing that is by letting you have a bunch of objects that represent those actual objects running in memory in, say, Excel, uh, and you can interact with those through synchronous APIs the same you would with VBA and VSTO and, and read data and make changes to those objects and call methods on those objects, create new objects. And when you do that, it queues up a bunch of operations and when you're ready to realize those in the actual Excel object, there's a call on the request context called sync that then will take all of those pending changes and synchronize the state between your running JavaScript and the Excel application. So it is a little bit like the SharePoint CSOM in that you're building up a bunch of local changes and then you're actually executing them. But there are actually, we think there are some usability improvements that we've made in the way that those work, especially around the JavaScript syntax for kind of building up those changes and interacting with them. And we actually really like a lot of the new mode of operation. I'll be very curious to hear people's feedback as well. Obviously, we have listeners that come from all kinds of backgrounds. And, you know, to me, I would say one of the, the key things is if, if you're a, a SharePoint developer that has steered away from this space, maybe because of like just the legacy technologies that were involved, like VSTO or, or VBA, definitely give this a new look with, with the new APIs. I think you'll find it is, it's, it is very similar to you know, what you may have been doing with, with CSOM today and can build some really powerful add-ins. On that front of doing this somewhat batched, uh, what's kind of the transactional integrity of things? Like if, if something just happened to go wrong, maybe somewhere in the middle, like I add a I add a paragraph and maybe change the font on it and then do one other thing. If, if the middle uh, item fails, what kind of happens with that whole execution? We've actually got a pretty nice way to catch debug info. Um, so the, the pattern for calling sync and then the, the pattern that we have for running batches of code on Word and Excel, which is, is called excel.run or word.run, 
which takes a function, those all return standard promises. So they give you actually really nice tools for say serializing calls, you can use then on the response of those in order to run another thing after that call has been made. Uh, you can use catch in order to take some specific code blocks and catch specific errors in them. And we've got some pretty debug info on Office specific errors that occur when you're trying to realize them in the Office API. So uh, there's some pretty deep and, and pretty standard at this point kind of web approaches to both catching those errors and then looking at those errors and dealing with them. We've also done a bunch of work so that if you actually, say you grab like the third row of an Excel spreadsheet and you put that into a local variable inside one of these run blocks, we've done a bunch of work so that we'll actually notice that you're grabbing that and we'll add kind of an in-memory watcher to that row if you're running it as part of a run block. So that if you insert a new row, if your code or even a co-author comes and inserts a new row above three, we'll actually automatically adjust that reference, that local variable you have in JavaScript to now reflect the fourth row because you, your row got pushed down along the way. So a lot of the things that would, you know, you typically stub your toes on because you tried to make an update but it wasn't consistent with the document, uh, we're trying to actually kind of preemptively be smart about ruling those out and adjusting the objects for you. So I was at a, we were actually chatting with this before we started the recording, I was at the TechCrunch Disrupt Hackathon this weekend and we had like 10 engineers in an Excel workbook that we were using to uh, do our judging in it and, um, you, know, ev you know, everyone's updates were constantly flying in there. So that I, I had really hadn't thought about that scenario when it came to you know some of those transactions. So that's really amazing what you guys are doing there. One thing that is very clear is that if we had an, a set of APIs that didn't work with co-authoring on an Excel workbook, that would be really awful. Uh, as co-authoring becomes more pervasive across all the different places Office runs, we want to make sure these APIs behave really well in that circumstance. How about, you know, I know you guys did kind of took a different approach to this, these APIs in terms of how you develop documentation around the different types of objects you can work with and, and even kind of in, in some of your test sandboxes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been experimenting a lot with how we do API design, both for these JavaScript APIs and for REST APIs at Microsoft. And uh, we've been doing a few different things. One is we've been trying from the very beginning to have what we consider really great you know, customer-facing or public-facing documentation on the APIs, even as early as the specking process. So when we specced out the APIs, one of the first things that we built was a GitHub repo with markdown files that we thought were uh, strong enough quality in order to actually publish them as public-facing documentation. And we actually shared that GitHub repo with a bunch of partners in order to get feedback on the designs. Uh, so we had this thing that sort of doubled as public-facing documentation and, and a feedback mechanism, but also uh, the spec for the actual APIs. Uh, and we increasingly have tooling that can take those specs and actually test out the API based on the spec to make sure that they end up agreeing. Uh, so that, that's been really cool. And you'll actually see us kind of double down on this. We were really happy with the way that that collaboration went with the kind of internal partners that we looked at. So I mentioned, you know, we'll be iterating very quickly on adding new APIs. You'll actually see in our public-facing documentation repo, we're going to create branches in the documentation of these JS APIs 
for new features that we go build. And these will be public branches where you'll be able to see the spec that we're building uh, for the next set of APIs in Excel and the next set of APIs in Word and go and give comments on them, log issues against them, uh, let us know how we can improve the design and see what we're going to build based on, on these branches. Uh, and then as we get the implementation complete and publish them, we'll, we'll of course you know, pull the branches into main so that they update the documentation automatically. So that's been a really cool way of working, uh, both in terms of building really complete specs uh, and having great quality documentation at the end, but also getting early feedback and interaction with our customers and partners. Yeah, I know that I've had at least four or five partners that have leveraged, had the opportunity to have some early conversations with you, and it was seeing kind of their reaction to not only the way, you know, Microsoft is is changing in terms of how we, we engage with partners, but just the fact that, you know, that was, you know, so comprehensive. That was really great. What's n next with these APIs? You know, I know that what we're launching this week with the Office 2016 announcement is, you know, a, a set of JavaScript extensions that are going to allow us to work with some of these new things. But, you know, what's, um, you mentioned, you know, adding new capabilities, but is there, what, what else might be on the radar for these? Yeah, the, the big thing that we're focusing on at first is getting these new APIs supported across the board in all the places where these applications run. So you'll see very quickly, we'll enable the same APIs in Excel Online. Uh, shortly after that, you'll see them show up in places like Excel for iOS, on the Mac, and eventually platforms like Android and Windows Universal as well. And actually, once we've sort of gotten them the baseline enabled there, we think we'll be in a mode where every time we build a new set of APIs, it'll be within a month that we'll release on all the different platforms uh, each one of those APIs. Once we, we've kind of got the, the baseline coverage of all those scenarios, we want to get to that rhythm of, hey, we build a new set of APIs, it shows up maybe on Win32 first, but within a month you can be confident it'll show up everywhere else. So, so that's the kind of rhythm we want to get to. And that's the kind of cross-platform coverage. One of the other really cool things about creating these APIs through that shared code layer that I was talking about is that that shared code layer really just understands that batch of commands in terms of a blob of JSON. And the response that it gives back is a blob of JSON. So it, it makes it really nice to build JavaScript APIs against it. But the other thing that you can build against that is take REST APIs and expose REST APIs for all of those same objects. So that's another thing that we're working on that, that won't be there when we launch this 2016 wave, but it'll be there soon. Uh, and we'll integrate that with the Office 365 Unified APIs so that if you're, say, addressing a file in somebody's OneDrive or in a SharePoint document library through the Unified APIs, uh, and that file happens to be an Excel workbook, you can just go on the end of that reference and add a slash workbook and then get into namespaces like what are the tables in there and pull down the data from the table or what are the charts there and pull down an image of the chart that's in that workbook uh, and create custom sort of standalone web applications and device applications that integrate with Excel uh, through a set of REST APIs driven by these same investments. Uh, so that'll be a really cool step too uh, and you'll see that show up in the unified APIs soon after we do that. Wow, so that's actually a incredibly powerful scenario, I think. We are all the time, right? I mean, today, the modern office add-in is all about being a uh, having a user interface, having an experience inside of Office. You know, it sounds like that's going to make it where I can almost like kind of do background automation in a lot of ways. I could do things like you know go and 
run a job every night where I could add a new sheet to a workbook with some data if I needed to. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you can imagine custom device applications where people have a form, they fill out some, some basic data, you plug that into some inputs in a workbook that's created by a business analyst where they've modeled a complex process or a complex set of calculations. And the other end, uh, you pull out the results of that workbook calculation and embed that in your custom application, whether that's a chart or a bunch of calculations or a table of data. Build that business logic and that modeling uh, as a business analyst and then just use standard web REST APIs through the unified API to, to leverage that model. We've already done things like created updated training repositories on GitHub for this. I've heard rumor you guys have some some really great samples. Like I've heard of like a diet tracker and Project Wizard. What sort of um, are there samples you guys have that are available that kind of leverage some of these these new APIs? Yeah, we've got a bunch of samples that'll come out right away with the the Excel APIs and the Word APIs, both complete applications. So we've got you know the the diet tracker thing. We've got sort of contract proposal building sample in Word, because we've got a really complete set of APIs around doing document generation. So we've got a bunch of samples that are oriented around that. In Excel, we've got a bunch of other things, like there's this cool little app around um, picking college credits and organizing your sort of uh, college schedule and, and your credit compliance, a whole bunch of other scenarios that are kind of more end-to-end -end scenarios. And then we've also got a big repository of snippets. So for pretty much all of the new APIs, we've got a little web application uh, and an add-in that wraps that web application that lets you browse through, hey, I want to look at the range object and I want to see how to, uh, how to clear the range or how to insert a new range or how to find an offset from a range. We've got snippets for all of those and we've got a little web-based explorer that you can use uh, to load those up in a, in a pretty cool little web IDE. Uh, and that web IDE is even loaded with IntelliSense for all of the APIs that we have available in Excel and Word and even the existing OfficeJS documentation now, we have IntelliSense for that as well. So there's a bunch of samples there and we'll continue to grow that. You know, those are just sort of the starting places. We're actually, we'll take community submissions on those snippets. So if you have, if you look at it and you see, oh, we're missing a snippet, make a pull request, we'd love to have it. And we'll continue to build more and more samples around it as we get deeper in. And those are really great. I mean, some of these, now that we're getting so granular in the, in the operations that I can perform, I think of like a chart. You know, a chart has so many like components of formatting it and things like that. And that being all part of this, this new, these new scripts is that, you know, you can easily go out and find, hey, is there a sample that shows how to insert a chart with some data and format it? And, and you can easily just go and grab it and take a look. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. One, one of the other cool things that you'll see that we'll work on in addition to the APIs working everywhere, in addition to REST APIs that will enable you to use those same sort of things from device and web applications, uh, we're also working on improvements to the, the type of user experience extensibility you can do uh, within Office. So when you have an extension, uh, being able to do things that are beyond just a task pane and a, an island of content embedded in your workbook. We hear a lot of requests around a lot of different user experiences that people want to extend in Office, and you'll see a lot of movement on that over the next quarter as well. And then you guys are also, the you know Outlook has introduced these things like adding commands that's also on the radar at some point to where we're wanting those to be more pervasive across all of the different Office products as well. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's one of the biggest 
requests in terms of modes of interaction is people want to have their ribbon command button for running a command, a custom command inside of Excel and Word and PowerPoint. And you know, you've, you've seen that in Outlook. We're absolutely working on bringing that to the other applications as well. Well, any, any other things you want to share about uh, the, the, the new APIs and building Office add-ins? Yeah, I mean, um, we're really excited about it. I think there's a bunch of new stuff there. And we'd love to hear your feedback on the APIs and see what you guys are building. We've got a bunch of ways to give that feedback. You know, if you've got feature requests, go to user voice. We're looking at that on a regular basis. A lot of the prioritization for, for how we chose what APIs to build was based on user voice. So if you see things that are still missing, go there, let us know. We'll use that for the continued prioritization. Go to GitHub, check out the snippets and the documentation and uh, give us issues and pull requests uh, for those things to help make them better. Uh, and keep an eye out as we fork those repos and publish the roadmap for which APIs we're going to build next. Give us feedback on those as well. We definitely want to have a deeper engagement with the community in terms of telling you what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and getting your feedback on those plans as we move forward. Awesome. Well, hey, Rob, really appreciate it. You're always um, a great guest to have on, on the show. So I'm sure we'll have you again soon. And congratulations on uh, the awesome work that uh, went live this week. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Okay, we're, so we're about to try a podcast punked with Andrew Connell. So I have here with me Tim Aronke, who's a, a productivity TSP based in Dallas. So he's going to be my actor for this. So we're going to give uh, Andrew a call. So go ahead and give him a call and put on speakerphone. And maybe set it kind of close to here. All right, here we go. You reach Andrew Connell. I'm currently unavailable. Feel free to leave your name, number, and a brief message. For more timely response, please text me or send an email to me at andrewconnell.com. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hi, Andrew. My name is Tim. I'm a general manager uh, of a who in Daytona Beach, and I just have a, an urgent need to speak with you. If you could give me a call back, uh, it is important. Uh, my number is 817-84. Thank you. Oh. Here it is. All right, hold on. Hey. He, he's calling. Here it is. Make sure you put on speaker. Hello? Uh, hi, I just got a call from this number. I think I got a voicemail. My name is Andrew Connell. Yes. Hi, hi, Andrew. Uh, my name's Tim. I'm the general manager of uh, the Who here on International Speedway in Daytona. Yes, sir. Have you been here by chance before? Uh, yes, I have. I was there for the the night of the um, oh God, what was it? The NASCAR race on Fourth of July weekend. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is interesting. We we found your name and and this number uh, inscribed uh, in the stall of one of our our men's rooms. Yeah, it gets a little bit worse, I guess. The the quote kind of prompted a bunch of other people to start writing stuff on the walls as well. Uh, it's it's become oh, a bit God. of an issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess somebody. I, I was I was with a, a bunch of people, but um, yeah, I guess it sounds like somebody decided to pull a prank or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the graffiti actually is uh, Z O M G beers on Jeremy. I don't know if that means something to you. No, it doesn't. So, it, doesn't it doesn't mean anything. But, I mean, the phone number obviously does. <laughs> yeah, so not, the, the, the issue I'm running into is that my franchise owner is, is upset about this whole thing. It's kind of started off 
uh, an issue. And, um, and they were wondering, you know, they, they'd like you to come in and paint the stall, get it back to sort of, you know, back to good if you could. And, uh, you know, kind of show some good faith since that sort of kicked off this whole, this whole problem. Uh, well, so I'm not, I'm nowhere near local, but I mean, I didn't, I, 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 this is the first I'm hearing about this. So, I mean, I didn't have anything, I didn't really have anything to do with it. So I'm not really sure how it all, I'm not sure how it got there, but I'm not really, I mean, I'm, there's no way that I can get I can get to Daytona any time in the remote zone okay. and do anything about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe we can compromise. You know, when I was looking up the the number and everything, I was trying to figure out kind of who you were. I mean, do you know somebody uh, here in town that might do this? Not. No, I don't. I mean, I was with people from I was with people from all over, um, from all over all over the place. So, like from all over the country. But I mean, it's we were we got paired up when we came in. Um, and you guys were real busy that night. And so we got paired up with like, God, it was like maybe two other groups uh, of people to sit at one big table. And it was the two other groups that we didn't, we didn't know any of them. I can't remember their names. Um, but they, I know at some point we were exchanging like business cards or something like that. Um, so, I mean, it could have been one of those people, but I mean, it's like, that was like probably another 10 people that I don't, I don't have a clue with or I've even spoken to since July. So. I, I would have. A, I mean, it could have been any one of those people. Because, like, I mean, I gave I gave like probably like ten, fifteen business cards out that night, and anybody could end up doing that. But I mean, that's not. I, I, I know. I I know for darn sure I didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm in a bit of a spot here just because, you know, like I said, the franchise owner, I mean, they're, they're talking about criminal action here. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I'm trying to find a way to compromise here. Um, obviously, you're not in town. Yeah, I, when I was looking up the number to try to figure out, you know, you know who you were, you know, so I could get in contact and, and everything, I noticed. Are you are you a computer programmer? Is that what you do? I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could do some pro bono work for us or something. I mean, help out that way. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of stuck with like how like how I'm kind of like in the middle of this because I mean, if someone goes through, you got my my cell phone isn't exactly something that I protect, and I mean, if I gave out a bunch of business cards and someone walks in there and does that, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't really see how I'm kind of like responsible for anything. Yeah, I'm, I, mean, I don't. You know, I, I'm just going off the the, inf- the information I've got. You know, I've got I've got an upset franchise owner. I'm just trying to make everything right. You know, I, look, if you're a programmer, maybe you can just kind of help us update our mobile app. I mean, you know, something something simple. I mean, I, I, look, maybe you can just update it to say something like you've been punked. Hey, hey, AC, this is this is Rich and um, Jeremy from afar, um, and you've been you've been podcast punked, my friend. <laughs> Jesus, man, how in the world did you change your voice like that? <laughs> man, I thought twice about it too. When I saw the Arlington, Texas, on the caller ID, I was like. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're a good support, buddy. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Yeah, man. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program where you can get a one-year, three developer tenant to start building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash office365devpodcastyam. Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.